welcome to Modern Babylon, Cultural Contrarian. This is Ryan Miller. Wanted to give you an update as to how things are progressing relative to um, my preliminary hearing. I previously mentioned that the magistrate shifted jurisdictions. It moved from Parksburg, Pennsylvania to Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. And I received notice in the mail that the date is scheduled for October 24th. In the meantime, I have a some friends have provided a, a list of attorneys that I could in, interview to see if they would be potential candidates to represent me at the preliminary hearing. Now, if, you, if you've heard me on my podcast or, or some of my other public messaging, even in my ebook, that I knew that getting an attorney is the worst option and that I needed to be so prepared for a pro se argument. But when I got this unlawful arrest, I'm like, oh man, this is this is a little bit troublesome, and that I need to go to the court and present evidence to get a dismissal on this unlawful defiant trespass order. And I thought the best, one of the best ways to do that is to present the evidence to the attorney, find a way that I could tap him on the shoulder, that I could intercede and speak to the merits of the case and the evidence and not have 100% of the argumentation coming from the attorney. Now, in the back of my mind, and I've told you all this before, that that is, that's a remote, remote possibility because they are bound to the bar, they're bound to the court procedures, and for me to sit in that capacity uh, with my voice being able to be exercised, the court won't allow that. And I wanted to see if there was an attorney that would allow that and the, the findings and going through all the attorneys, the first thing was that they conflicted out. Uh, so when they found out more about the case, went to the docket and heard some of the named parties, they did a conflict search and many of them came back with some conflict that they weren't able to represent because they had some relationship with organizations, entities that are directly related to this case. I'm like, okay. Now they have. There's no. Um, there's no disclosure as to what the conflict is. They can't share that with me, and whether that is a truthful statement or not, I'm going to assign it as a truthful statement that they have a conflict. Uh, alternatively, they could just be saying this is a case that I don't want to take. So then I got into another series of phone calls with some other attorneys, and um, they were all procedure process presentations where I was just absolutely, they were just ripping me up and down and making statements. They wouldn't hear the facts. They would create narratives to create argument. And I was like, holy smokes, can we stay on topic? And one of the, I mean, a constant theme, a consistent theme through all of them was, why didn't you just state your name? I'm like, holy smokes, that's a question that's irrelevant. I didn't want to. I don't have to. The reasoning behind not wanting to or not having to has no bearing on what is going on here. I am not lawfully obligated to say who I am. The reasons behind it are thousandfold, but that's not relevant. So the fact that I chose not to surrender my Fourth Amendment right is not a condition to silence my ability to exercise my first. Then that got into another realm of discussion. Then we got into some other issues. And then I talked about this 
this document that I got in the mail with a certified signature on it. And I say, that's that person has no authority over me. That document is, it could have said I had to wear a blue shirt. You can't enforce me wearing a blue shirt. This is, why are we even talking about this? That document is not anything lawful. You don't have the ability to revoke my license. So let's go into the law a little bit. Everyone has an implied license to go anywhere unless it is clearly marked with visible signage or security measures such as walls, gates, key card access that says private property. So any Amazon truck, UPS delivery person, or a Mormon missionary can walk on your private property and knock on your door. The only way that license is revoked for private property is when you have a sign on your property edge or on your door that says your license has been revoked. This is private property. No trespassing. Please leave. That's private property. Public property and or public property that is for public accommodation, like the grocery store or Target or Costco or wherever. These are public areas available for public accommodation and we all have a license to go shopping at the grocery store, to go to the shopping mall. These are private entities. Giant is private. Wegmans is private. But it's open for public accommodation. So they've granted that license for you to come in and consume their products. Amen. Thank you. The only way that license can be revoked depends upon the type of private property. So Wegmans could say, I don't like the way you smell. You need to leave my property. Okay. Please write down on a piece of paper the reasoning that you're asking me to leave. And I will determine whether that is a discriminatory thing or it's a non-discriminatory thing. And I will gladly leave Wegmans because I smell. Okay. Now, public property, such as a federal post office, such as the Social Security office, town hall, um, a public park, um, the DM, the Driver Motor Vehicle Center, Driver's Licensing Center, and, and a public school or a public college. Those are all public entities, taxpayer-funded public entities. We have a right to go onto those properties. We have a right to go onto those properties to conduct our personal business, which we may want to transact with the post office, or we have a First Amendment right to go and record a public servants in the course of their official duties to disseminate to other people. So we have that right. Now, the only basis in which you can be lawfully removed from public property is when you have what is called RAS and PC, reasonable articulable suspicion that probable cause exists that a crime has been committed a crime is in progress, or a crime is about to occur. And those elements need to be done in the presence of law enforcement, or it has to be captured in a narrative, put in a sworn affidavit under grounds of perjury. 
So when that affidavit that notes that a crime has been committed and it has to meet the legal definition of a crime, a disturbance is not a misdemeanor or a felony and it's not a criminal act because disturbance needs to have a criminal element to it. So anyway, you need to have that affidavit. Affidavit presented to the officer if he didn't witness it. The officer is going to determine if this meets the elements of probable cause of a criminal act and then go to the person and say, I have probable cause to ask you to leave. And that's what happened to me. Except there's no probable cause affidavit. I was told that I was going to be arrested for criminal trespass if I didn't leave. I asked, can you show me the probable cause affidavit or the sworn affidavit that supports I committed a crime to warrant you threatening me for arrest that I committed a crime on this property? Because I'm not a criminal. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I was just merely attempting to speak for three minutes and they converted that into a crime. So when I met with Trooper Kochka, he didn't have any of that. And he's even on tape saying, well, I didn't commit a crime yet. So then how can you criminally trespass me if I hadn't committed a crime yet? That doesn't make sense. But attorneys are saying, why do I feel I'm obligated to receive a criminal, a criminal trespass warning affidavit? I'm saying, well, if you're alleging that I perpetrated a crime, there should be a document that validates that allegation. If not, no crime, no crime occurred. Nothing happened. And that's what happened when meeting Officer Trooper Kochka. There was no crime. There was no affidavit. But after my meeting with Kochka, he documented, uh, Dr. Orner sent me this, this letter in the mail and said that you caused a disturbance. You're not allowed back on that school. And unfortunately, that's not a crime. That's a civil issue. And it would have to have elements of a crime for me to be precluded or to revoke my license. To revoke the license for me to come back to the school must have elements of the crime. You can't stop me coming from the post office. You can't stop me from going to the DMV. You can't stop me from going to Social Security unless I perpetrated a crime and you memorialize that crime and says, you can't come back here anymore because you did this unlawfully. And I'd be like, holy smokes, I did something unlawful. I can't go back there. I'm not going to do that again because I don't want the next step, which is a defiant trespass after written warning. So if I've got that criminal trespass warning that's supported by probable cause with the sworn affidavit, heck no, am I not going back? So the reason I waited from March until September to go back is I wanted evidence of the existence of a criminal trespass warning or evidence that it doesn't exist. So I obtained that evidence. I obtained that there is no documentation of a sworn affidavit from Dr. Michelle Horner to Pennsylvania State Police. I also received through an appeal request through the Pennsylvania State Troopers that there is no record of a criminal trespass warning. Great. So that letter is not the warning and they have no record of a criminal trespass warning. So I am free to go back on that property because no such warning exists. So I went back on September 19th with my federal lawsuit where I was prepared to speak to them and present service. And that's when everything went kittywampus, which has put me before my preliminary hearing, which I will be seeking dismissal. But the purpose of this broadcast is to make people aware 
that my encounters with the attorneys was as I predicted. They were going to try to intellectually shackle me into coming and joining into their system, surrendering my ability to argue and my rights to the jurisdiction of the court. These are all bad statements that should not be shared in the public domain, but this is the reality that is before us, and this is a very, very deep rabbit hole. And it requires a tremendous amount of time and understanding to listen to myself and others as to what this really means. So I knew that I wanted to gauge whether I could get an attorney that would allow me to speak. And I knew that was like trying to find a unicorn with a leprechaun riding on his back. I knew that. But I wanted to put that effort in to see if any of those people exist. And my findings were, no, they don't exist. I went through over eight phone calls and conversations and consultations, and they all had the very consistent behavior. Now, yes, absolutely. It may not be them, and it may be me. Absolutely could be me. I could be totally off my gourd and wrong. I don't believe that I am, but what I'm doing for the general public is to show you the system. I'm willing to take this fight all the way through and show you what is required. Your complaints at three-minute speeches, your aggression or your emails or all of this stuff is meaningless because you have not uncloaked the actors. You are thinking them that to be respectful, God-fearing, God-honoring humans who are enforcing policy over you where you are going to surrender every single right to that fraudulent authority and you don't accept that they're fraudulent. And I'm here walking right in front of you saying they are actors and I have the evidence of them actors, of them being actors. So when I get into the court, I will be going pro se at this point to the preliminary hearing. And I'm going to present the evidence to the judge. And I'm going to do it from a God-honoring, biblically-based confrontation or presentation of exposing that we are talking about an oath, Your Honor. The oath is because we have fear and trembling before God. And if we don't have fear and trembling before God based upon the decisions we, we all make, well, there's going to be justice. Maybe not here, but it's going to be on the other side of the veil. And I don't want that. I don't want that. I want people to stop and repent. But I'm going to show you how this all played out. It's all on social media. It's all on TikTok. It's all on YouTube. And I have the video on my phone. And just watch. And you tell me, Your Honor, when I committed the crime. Because I have these constitutional rights and protections. And show me. You're a witness now. Before the police come, you're seeing it before the police entered. Tell me when I committed the crime. Is the Constitution dead? I'm okay with that, Your Honor. If the Constitution is dead and our Bill of Rights are dead and the Supreme Court precedent and the instructions that I've been given are dead for us citizens, then we the people need to know that. And if you're going to not dismiss these charges based upon the survivability of the Constitution, so be it. So be it. And we will go to trial. And it will be argued through trial and how I will handle trial, I don't know yet because I believe I am I am correct. But let's assume I'm wrong and I get wrapped into trial. Whether I go pro se or whether I go 
with an attorney? I don't know. But I'm willing to stand with the judgment of man's system showing you everything that I did in plain view as to how the magistrate op- operates, how the how the the district attorney's office operates, how the law enforcement operate to expose that the Constitution is dead. And if I receive punishment because of them eviscerating the Constitution, so be it. I now know that our system is completely broken and we have no Constitution. Our Bill of Rights no longer exists. Our Fourth Amendment is gone. Our First Amendment is gone. And the amount of effort that I've gone to, I will, I will suffer the penalty for learning and sharing with everyone else that the Constitution is dead. And that's, that will be a, a bitter pill to swallow for myself, my wife, for whatever that, that judgment is. I would hope it would be reasonable because I did nothing. I didn't harm anyone. There was no victim. There's no victim. So just doing something punitive when there's no victim is pretty, pretty preposterous to me. But you need to see that. And to see how I conduct myself through this quagmire of depravity. So I wanted to share with you what my experience was in encountering the second tier of globalism. I don't want to go conspiratorially on anyone, but our, our world is, is by the elites. And right underneath the elite are the lawyers. Because how the elites function the way they do is with the legal protection and financial manipulations under the direction and guidance of those lawyers, that craft. And then right underneath of those lawyers comes the politicians or the corporations on the same line. They flow back and forth. Corporations, politicians. Corporations, politicians. You want to challenge that thinking? Look at the career pedigree of politicians at elevated places. Let's look at our Supreme Court. Let's look at the previous employment history of those people sitting on the Supreme Court. Look at Judge Barr's, I mean, um, Barr's career credentials and where he worked. See if there's a significant link between those in high office and their political connections. I've often stated that it would be very nice if our politicians would wear like what I call a NASCAR uniform, that they would have embroidered on their uniform a decal of the corporate interests that fund them. And the size of the decal would be commensurate with the the size of the donations they receive from certain lobbyists and corporate interests. In addition to the the insider trading information to help their financial portfolio advance because they're tied to certain legislation and they get an insider tip that's illegal for us, but not for them, Nancy Pelosi and your husband. So I understand that my mind is wackadoo. I get it. And it is on my mind map is in full 
full-on fugue of objects, colors, and textures moving in and out at a rapid pace. And my wife has noticed it in my physical appearance and what's happening with my eyes and other parts of my body that, that I am in this florid state. I use the word fugue for a reason because it has to do with orchestra and, and different instruments all coming in at this one particular time. So there's an orchestral reference, but there's also a psychological one. It's not a negative fugue, but the fugue that's playing in my head is that orchestral one. The trumpets and the tubas and the baritones and the oboes and the first chair violins and the bells. I mean, it's, it's going crazy. And every time I have a conversation with these attorneys, it's just in this more florid display that these guys want to control the narrative and you need to be obedient. It The amount of logical fallacy that were being spilled at me that I couldn't play, I could not break the logical arguments down fast enough. All narratives, all fabrications, all hypotheticals. I'm like, why can't we stay to the facts? Why do you ask me questions that are, that are irrelevant to what's before you now? I understand that you may want some context around that, but let's deal with the merits of the case as opposed to trying to get additional context. It's irrelevant. I didn't want to. I didn't have to. Start with that. And then let's look, look how things progressed after that. Did I follow the law that the Supreme Court set forth that I need to do? I need to be reasonable with them. I have to give them the opportunity to be corrected. I have to repeatedly inform them of the limits of their authority and afford them the ability to get the appropriate counsel to correct. Bring forward the Supreme Court precedent and then the USC code for them to know and to not go to the solicitor for personal legal advice, to go get private counsel. I can't make people do anything. The only thing I can do is what the Supreme Court tells me to do is to attempt to reason with them and correct them of their errors and when you arrive at this point in court, follow our rules and we'll see how it works out for you. No, you don't want to join the bar. You lose your ability to argument, argue to the court. And to retain the power and the ability to argue, you have to remain pro se. Or there's another term in there as well, which is way deep rabbit hole, but we're not going down that. But to... Remain control of your person. Yes, you may need some guidance from the bar, the public defender or whomever, the judge to give you guidance. Sure. But your policy is for bar members. Your policy is not for me. I didn't join the bar. I didn't swear an oath to the bar. I didn't swear an oath to up for the court. That's not me. I'm just a private citizen that's protected by my constitutional bill of rights. And you get a decision to make. Are you going to uphold what your oath required you to do? Uphold and protect and preserve the Constitution of the Pennsylvania and the Constitution of the United States? Or are you going to act in allegiance to the court and the bar and negate the constitutional oath which you took? I don't know. Again, I'm just bringing it into man's justice. And I am going to make the best arguments and presentation I can possibly make with the full hope and prayer that I get a dismissal, that I would be able to move forward and hold those people who acted under color of law 
indisputably, indisputably, there it is non-contradictable that they violated their oath. And they have been repeatedly warned, 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 warned. And I couldn't say it enough because it would drive you up, up the wall. I have extended grace so many times, unmerited favor to these people. And if you listen to the recordings that, that are on my telegram, you will see I was doing that in the car, trying to reason with them and say, why didn't you call the district attorney? And the response is, okay, you hear it, you see it. And I'm praying that the magistrate is a God-fearing person and that he is truly committed to honoring his oath and that he does not succumb to what I would say are the political pressures. And we'll see how that goes. So I wanted to give you that update. Um, It would be, I don't I don't know how to say this, but I do have some significant bills coming that I need to get a ton of papers and a ton of mailing out and anything that people could do to help contribute to this fight um, would be much appreciated. Um, as I said, I, my wife and I have talked about this and, and we're prepared, but it would mean a tremendous amount that if I had support in the general community not my private community and my PMA. They've been fantastic. But if you're a person listening to this broadcast and this resonates in your heart that this is a guy that's willing to help show us and walk in a God-honoring way right through this system to its completion, I'd appreciate a token recognition just to help me. And if you would like to pierce into my head and have you talk to uh, me talk to other people about this journey and this experience in greater detail and greater context, I'd be pleased to do that. That would bring me tremendous joy. But I'm going to say, if you're not willing to invest in me, why would it be reasonable for me to invest in you? Now, please take that in Christian love, that I'm asking for some assistance but you're asking of me to carve out X amount of time to speak to you or your audience. I'm not opposed to doing it, but show me that there's a benefit to me to do that because right now I'm fighting a personal fight and I'm thankful for the people that are supporting me. But if you want to learn about my fight outside of what I put in this public domain, send me a few bucks. And I'll give you time. What's the normal rate for a speaker to come into an event? I don't want to go out in public. These people are nuts. Waving protest flags and wearing patriotic costumes and petitions. Completely ignorant of what their constitutional rights are. And they live in a world of surrender, submit, consent, and comply. Because they want somebody else to get freedom for them. They're not willing to step up and secure freedom for themselves. You do not get free from what I'm doing. I'm giving you the ability to learn what it takes to be free. And that there's a tremendous amount of knowledge that's required to get to this path. Because you are not free. Stop living in that delusion. You have been taught since elementary school that, oh, we're in the land of the free and the home of the brave and I pledge allegiance to all of this malarkey. No, 
You live in a world that's all based upon permits, conditions, licenses, fees, compliance. That's where you are. Now, honestly, if you don't want to go down that road to see how your life is based upon complete conditions, cool. Don't tune in to me. Totally disconnect from me because the piercing that cognitive dissonance would really hurt. And I would say, I don't want to hurt people by putting such a beacon of truth right before you. So I would say, whoa, cancel my podcast and and go be safe. Go be safe. Go go live your life in your, your little, little enclave and just navigate and keep your head down. Just obey the master. When he's asking for your taxes for your schools, just write the check and smile. When your taxes go up, just smile. When your gas prices go up, when your food prices go up, just smile. Say, yep, this is the cost of freedom. This is the cost of freedom. As your 401k is vanishing into vapor, just smile. It's the cost of freedom. As money or billions of dollars are going across the ocean to to fuel what is going to be another major conflict, just smile. Patriotism. It's the cost of freedom. When we have an invasion at the southern border that is not closed and we have fentanyl and, and Venezuelan prisoners crossing the border, not at checkpoints, but just coming through random access and they just infiltrate into the rest of the country with volumes of fentanyl, which can overdose the entire country, just smile. It's the cost of freedom. That's our reality. I have a conversation with a friend and, and occasionally he's he goes through hypothetical narratives on the way things should be. And I agree. Things should be different and should people should think about this. And there's a lot of shoulds. And I can totally entertain a conversation around this new paradigm of what things should be and how we could change it. But should only comes into practice after you have an abundant awareness of what it is. We have, we have lived under a delusion and not accepted what it is. And we don't want to necessarily know what it is because that's very uncomfortable. And recognizing for ourselves as to what we have done to remain safe in the, in the function of what is and what is continues to change to be through restraints, our government is never going to relinquish a restraint that they put upon us. Tell me of one federal agency that had a goal, accomplished its goal, and disbanded and gone away. Those things don't happen. They don't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And when you give up a little bit of security for the promise of safety, Ben Franklin, you deserve neither. I know I'm not safe. I know that I have to create safety for myself and for my family. And security, I have to create that for myself as well. Privacy, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. But these musings are brought to you by the culture contrarian, modern Babylon. Put this all in your intellectual pipe and smoke that. Take care.